Kale Clark here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. Mention offer code Relevant Radio and get a free phone. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. Fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Uh, that music means we are kind of back to normal here. The pledge drive is complete, and it has been successful. Welcome to the Kale Clark Show on this Friday, November the 10th, 2023. So much to talk about. You can call in right now, 888-914-9149. We're kind of back to the usual. But I do want to start off this hour by praying a memorare in Thanksgiving. Why? Because we made our target. You guys helped us do it. You gave and we passed our need. We just passed it a few minutes ago. We are now up to almost $3.1 million. Oh, we just passed it. We just passed $3.1 million. Wow, so you guys have given above and beyond. Producer Jim just told me that in my ear. Our goal, our need was $3 million to keep us going for another quarter here on Relevant Radio on our 214 stations now across the great United States of America and all around the world, of course, on the Relevant Radio app and RelevantRadio.com. And you guys came through. Thank you so much. And we want to just uh, give thanks uh, by, again, asking Our Lady to uh, continue to keep Relevant Radio strong in the coming days, months, and years ahead. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was ever left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, we fly into thee, O Virgin of Virgins, our Mother. To you do we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your mercy hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So yeah, we have a... <laughs> never was it known, and that continues to be a streak that never ends because uh, Our Lady interceded for us and uh, we made it. We made it. So thank you very, very much. Now, if you're listening today and you didn't get a chance to donate, you can still do so. Get a tax receipt. Uh, 100% match, I believe, is still even on, even though the pledge drive is officially quote-unquote over. You can still make your gift by going to 877-291-0123 or on the app, on the website, relevantradio.com. You can join the family and check out our pledge drive premiums. They're still in effect we got lots to get to today, and again, you can call in. Our listener line is 888-914-9149. What I want to talk about, first of all, is today is the feast day of St. Pope Leo the Great. Pope St. Leo the Great. How about that? I got the order wrong, but you know what I meant. You know what I meant. And he's one of the, the, the popes in history that does have that title, the Great. There was Gregory the Great, of course, and many people think that eventually... St. John Paul II will be known as the Great. You know, he's not officially known as such, but in the popular imagination, certainly in the groundswell that led up to his canonization, uh, he was known as the Great and um, still is. Uh, for a lot of, Some people are trying to question this. I'm not so sure about that, but uh, Pope Benedict himself um, referred to JP II as the Great um, before he passed away, but nonetheless... I want to talk about Pope Leo because one of the most famous stories about Pope Leo the Great, and he and he really was an incredible pope. He he absolutely was. Was how he stared down, how he faced off with Attila the Hun, and man, this, I mean, Pope Leo the Great had some. I mean, he, let's face it, he had some cojones, folks. I mean, we're talking steel. I mean, he he went up against the baddest man on the planet, Attila the Hun, who was just so evil. He was called, Attila was known as the Scourge of God. This, this is how bad this guy was and how, how lethal he was. And this all took place, by the way, in the year 452. And Attila, the Huns, his great army, invaded Italy. And they started off by sacking the city of Aquileia. And basically, they had, they had a clear passageway to go straight to Rome and, and basically take it over, sack the city, do whatever they wanted. Now, these are the precarious times, by the way, after the fall of the Roman Empire. And there was a split between East and West. There was an, an Eastern emperor and a Western emperor and, and all kinds of stuff going on with barbarians and Visigoths and you, you name it. 
But there really, there really was nothing stopping Attila the Hun from taking over Rome. He had a wide open path to do so. The, the Western emperor at the time was, he was kind of a loser. I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. You know, and I, I make no apologies about that. He basically had very weak character. Uh, didn't really have much of an army at his disposal either. The East, Constantinople, they said basically, we're not going to help. If Attila, you know, tries to sack Rome, you're on your own. Pope Leo, he was the guy. Pope Leo the Great was the guy who had to stand against Attila. It was it was incredible because back then, in a, in uh, in Leo's day, there there really was no separation of church and state at that time, because essentially the the civil leaders were pathetic. So Leo essentially had to manage the the whole city of Rome, as well as his duties as pope. And so Leo decides to take matters into his own hands, and he and he marches out to meet Attila the Hun. And, I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, he probably thought, I'm not coming back from this, but he went out resolutely. And, and truthfully, nobody knows. No one knows what they actually talked about when they met. And there's, there's all kinds of famous paintings of the two of them meeting. Now, you can Google the images on that one. And if anybody says they know what they were talking about, that person is not telling the truth. But there, there are a lot of legends that, that spring up around this event. One of the legends was that when Attila the Hun saw Pope Leo the Great coming towards him, he, he had this vision of St. Peter and St. Paul marching alongside the Pope, and they were kind of threatening him. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, maybe Paul had his sword out, you know, and he was like, okay. He's always you know, depicted with the sword because that's how he was martyred. He was beheaded with the sword, of course, and Peter with the keys. He's like, I'm going to you know, stab you with the keys. I don't know what his weapon was. I have no idea. But but whether or not he actually had this vision or not, Attila, we don't know. We'll never know. But one thing we do know is this. They did have a conversation. Leo talked to Attila, and somehow, whatever he said to him convinced Attila to turn around. Not a drop of blood was shed. He didn't sack the city. He didn't attack Rome. He actually went northward. He said, I'm going to go up, up north for the holidays, I guess. But uh, not too long after that, actually, Attila passed away. So that, I mean, this, this is an incredible uh, story about Pope Leo the Great, but it's not the only great thing that he did. It's not the only great thing he did by, by a long shot. Actually, um, about three years after this, so this happened in the year 452 AD, about three years after this, this is 455 AD, the Vandals, oh, the, the Vandals were pretty bad too. I mean, they did a lot of vandalism, I guess you could say, but uh, they, they also sacked the city of Rome. But this time, Leo couldn't stop them. But he did. But he did. He did. He did. He didn't stop them from sacking the city. But he did negotiate. He entered into kind of FBI negotiations with Genseric, who was the leader of the Vandals, and he did talk him into. He's like, "Look, you guys have sacked the city. Please don't. Please do not burn the city." And he, he basically convinced this guy not to burn the city of Rome down. So it, an utter catastrophe was avoided. It was still pretty bad, though. But Leo just became an absolute legend in Rome because of all these things. He, he was incredibly gifted. Uh, he was incredibly intelligent. He was incredibly holy. But he really helped to strengthen, by the way, the, the office of the Pope in, in a really precarious time in history after the fall of the Roman Empire. And so uh, he died, by the way, in the year 461 A.D. But I will, I will say this. There, there's something else that he's known for, uh, Pope Leo the Great. Uh, he's known for for a famous letter that he wrote in order to um, to put a stop to some of the, the heresies, the false teachings about Jesus Christ. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. If you want to call in, 888-914-9149. Lots, lots of great stories um, and not-so-great stories. There's some really troubling things I want to share with you in just a, a few minutes uh, surrounding Veterans Day. Things are happening um, I'll get to that in a second. I wanted to talk about this yesterday, but I ran out of time. There's so much going on. But let me just uh, finish uh, talking about Leo uh, for a second here. Not too long ago, we talked about the Council of Ephesus, and uh, that was a really, really important ecumenical council in 431 AD. And this is the council that basically said that Mary is the mother of God. There's this renegade named Nestorius, this renegade bishop. This guy was just bad news. And he was going around saying 
that Mary was only the mother of Jesus' human nature. <laughs> what? She's not the mother of God. Well, you can't be the mother of a nature. You can only be the mother of a person. And the truth about Jesus is that he's one divine person with two natures. Of course, divinity as God from all eternity, but he also took on human nature at the incarnation. Having said that, most of the false teachings that threatened to destroy the church in, in the beginning in the first few centuries were all about who is Jesus Christ. Is he 100% God and 0% human? Is he 100% human and 0% God? Or somewhere along the continuum, there, what's going on here? And the correct answer is, you know, is he a human person? Is he a divine person? Well, the answer is, he is one divine person with two natures. Okay, so that's that's the the, the truth of the matter. There are all kinds of different uh, wrong answers to that question, and that's really what most of the early heresies were about in the church. So when the bishop said, okay, Mary is the mother of God, Nestorius is a heretic, um, everyone celebrated in Ephesus. And of course, Mary lived in Ephesus. Don't forget, that's where the apostle John went after the resurrection of Jesus, after the ascension of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said to, to John on the cross, son, here's your mother, woman, here is your son. And from that moment, the apostle took her into his own home. And, we, and of course, he's kind of a stand-in for us, the beloved disciple John. John is never named, of course, in the Gospel of John. He's just called the beloved disciple. And he's kind of a the model disciple. Um, unlike Peter, who kind of flaked out and came back, Peter was the first pope. John was always faithful, and he, and he was at the foot of the cross. He didn't run away like Peter did. He ran to the tomb on, on Easter Sunday morning, and he let P- Peter go in first because he was deferring to his leadership. But he, he believed. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and he believed. He knew that Christ had risen from the dead. So he is in every way faithful, and he's kind of a model for each one of us. When we read the Gospel of John, we're kind of supposed to put ourselves in his shoes, in his sandals, as it were. That's how we're supposed to respond to Jesus. And so when Christ says on the cross, woman, you know, here's your son, son, here's your mother, he's talking to us too and saying we need to take Mary into our own home and, and really give her a place in our lives because she's our mother as well. It's, she's for all Christians. She's for all people. And that's why we need to uh, to share the devotion for her. That's biblical. It's really important to do that. And so, in Ephesus, 431 AD, the council says, yep, Mary's the mother of God. And people are just rejoicing. There's this huge torchlight procession. There's a big party. The bishops are carried on people's shoulders. I don't know. Maybe maybe some beer was was uh, was uh, brought out, a few kegs. I have no idea what happened, but it was a great time. It was a, it was a really, really glad time for the people of God. But the problems weren't over yet. The problems weren't over yet. There were still some people who had wacky ideas about who Jesus was. And there was this guy named Dioscorus. And in the year 444 AD, just a few years after the Council of Ephesus, he actually um, succeeded the very saintly Cyril of Alexandria. He be, and this guy Dioscorus became the patriarch of Alexandria. And he was, he was just bad news. He was bad, bad news. And what he did was... He promoted this guy named Eutychus. Now, Eutychus was a monk in Constantinople who believed all this wacky stuff about Jesus. And and Eutychus said this. He said, well, Jesus was of one substance with the Father. Okay, so he's kind of acknowledging the divinity. But he said, oh, he's not of one substance with us. In other words, Jesus isn't really human. So this this is what's known as the docetist heresy. This is very common in the ancient world, and some people still believe it today, they deny the humanity of Jesus Christ. They think he's basically God with a mask on. He wasn't fully human. So these old heresies just come up again and again and again in different ways. So this guy, Dioscorus, Patriarch of Alexandria, he's like, yeah, I like this. This is is great teaching. And so he created another council. He tried to set up another council, and it wasn't really a council. It was more of a synod. Right? We've heard a lot about synods and synodality. Well, this was known as the Robbers' Synod. The Robbers' Synod. And this happened in 449 AD. And, and they did not even allow Pope Leo, Pope Leo the Great, he obviously kind of defeated, if you will, Attila the Hun. He made a deal with the Vandals not to burn the city of Rome. The guy's a legend. They would not even let the Pope talk at this synod. They're like, we don't want to hear what you have to say. In fact, there was a guy that he sent there uh, named Flavian to sort of deliver the Pope's letter. And they basically beat him up. They beat this guy up and he was beaten up so badly that he actually died a few days later. 
I mean, this was, this was an absolute mess. So Leo was livid about this. He called it the Robbers' Synod. But the emperor was like, the, and the emperor at that time, Theodosius II, he was like, I, I don't care. I, I kind of like this synod. And so he was, he was kind of in favor of it. And these, these weird teachings about Jesus, it didn't hurt that the city of Alexandria also gave him a ton of gold. So they're just like, here, have some gold. Just, just, could you just kind of rubber stamp this synod? And, and sometimes it, they, they did have to kind of partner. The church would partner with the emperor to set up these, these early councils and stuff like that. But God has a, a way of working things out, doesn't he, in human history and salvation history? He, he's not going to be, he's not going to, he's going to make sure the truth gets out there no matter what. And this is a great example of this because what, what happened after this robber's synod? Well, the emperor, Theodosius, was riding his horse one day, and it just so happened that the horse tripped. I don't know how a horse trips, but the, I don't know, a crack in the pavement or something like that. And his horse stumbled. The emperor, Theodosius, fell off the horse, broke his neck, and died. Okay, well, may he rest in peace. Who succeeded Emperor Theodosius? His sister, Pulcheria. Pulcheria, she kind of took the throne, and she was married to this guy named Marcion. Kind of helped her out, I guess. He was the, what do they call it? When, 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 what they, the first, is it the first man? Like instead of the first lady? I guess he was the first man. I don't know. Anyways, so Pulcheria, who's now the, the empress, if you will, she actually was kind of like, you know what? I, I kind of agree with this whole with the Orthodox teaching about Jesus Christ, and and I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. This whole robbers synod that happened with these false teachings about Jesus—he's not really human. So she kind of gets in touch with Pope Leo. They start texting each other, and Pope Leo basically says, "Look, we, we need a we need a legit council here. We got to get rid of this nonsense once and for all." So she's like, "I agree with you." So they started up what became known as the Council of Chalcedon, which was called at the behest. Pope Leo, 451 AD. And this eventually becomes the fourth ecumenical council. There's the Council of Nicaea, right, which defeated the, the worst heretic, the worst false teacher of all time, Arius, who said Jesus was a god. And then, of course, there was the count, that was the 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea. We get the Nicene Creed from that. The, the second one is Constantinople in 381, just kind of kept going with the stuff that happened at Nicene. Actually, the technical name for the Nicene Creed is the Nicene-Constantinopolitan Creed. Constantinopolitan. It kind of sounds like a flavor of ice cream, doesn't it? But that was 381 AD. The third ecumenical council was Ephesus in 431. That's where Mary was proclaimed mother of God. And then the, the, um, the next one, which was number four, was the Council of Chalcedon in 451. So remember what happened at the last that the robber synod? Uh, Leo Pope Leo had this letter that he wanted to be read out, and they basically killed the guy who sent the letter. Well, this time the letter gets read, and it's known as the Tome of Leo, and it's called the Tome because a tome is like a really really long statement. It's like a really long letter. It's so long it probably should have been a book, but it was really 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 good stuff, and it basically gave the true teaching about who Jesus is. And really, this is nothing more than the Orthodox faith that had always been passed on uh, way back when. Tertullian, uh, early church figure, he said that in Jesus Christ, there are two natures, one person. And he was right about that. And so Leo just reiterates that. And I actually have a quote, believe it or not, I have a quote from the letter, the Tome of Leo, that, that was read at the council, and everyone's like, this is amazing, this is totally legit, and this is the actual right teaching about Jesus. So here, here's Pope Leo, and I'm going to quote him here. He says, quote, following then the Holy Fathers, we all with one voice teach that it is to be confessed that our Lord Jesus Christ is one and the same God, perfect in divinity and perfect in humanity, true God and true human. And again, don't forget the true human part was what was in question at the time. Arius said Jesus wasn't God and this knucklehead um, Eutychus, the monk, basically said he wasn't really human. Okay, so Leo says he's true God and true human with a rational soul and a body. That was another thing, too. People are like, did Jesus really have a human soul? Yeah, he did. He had a rational soul and a body of one substance with the Father in his divinity and of one, and of one substance with us in his humanity, in every way like us, with the only exception of sin. 
begotten of the Father before all time in his divinity and also begotten in the latter days in his humanity of Mary, the virgin bearer of God. This is one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, manifested in two natures without any confusion, change, division, or separation. The union does not destroy the difference of the two natures, but on the contrary, the properties of each are kept. In other words, there's no dilution of the divinity because of the humanity or or vice versa. Both are joined in one person and hypostasis. You might have heard about the hypostatic union. That's a $5 word. That's the the union of the, the two natures in the one person of Christ, the hypostatic union. Pope Leo said, quote, They are not divided into two persons, but belong to the one only begotten Son, the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. All this, as the prophets of old said of him, and as he himself has taught us, and as the creed of the fathers has passed on to us. End of quote. So this is a great, great explanation in this tome of Leo, this letter from Leo, about the two natures in the one divine person of Jesus Christ. So what's interesting about this too, like he doesn't say how this happened. You know, that that, we're not going to say exactly how God did this because nobody can really figure that out, but that it happened. You can totally trust it. It is real. It is real. So he doesn't say how God did this, the union of the two natures and the one person of Christ. But here's the deal. That's the truth. This is the Catholic faith. Anything other than this is a false teaching is a heresy is a lie is an error. So this was an incredible contribution that that Pope Leo made. Not only uh, his his showdown with Attila the Hun, boy, who who wouldn't want the pay-per-view on that one, right? You know, (laughs) Attila the Hun versus Pope Leo the Great. This is it. This is it. This is the the great feast day of St. Leo the Great. And you're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Man, we got so much great stuff coming up in the second half hour of the show and you can call in as well we've got the week that was coming up some of you have asked me about michaela's kid jokes okay you guys had a successful pledge drive and you always promise kale when you hit the targets michaela is going to come on and tell some kid jokes and she will she will but that's going to have to wait until next week hopefully on monday because i can't i can't even book time with with michaela now she's just in demand her schedule is like that of a ceo Uh, She's seven years old, and somehow her schedule looks like a subway schedule. I can't even keep track of where she is. She's an engineering class. Yeah, she's in this engineering club. She's doing, like, um, uh, civil engineering. She's doing aerospace engineering projects. Uh, This is really cool. I'm really excited about this. Maybe she'll work with Elon Musk and take me to Mars with her one day. I have no idea. Having said that, yeah, we'll establish the Catholic faith on Mars. We need to. I don't know. She's also, she's doing ballet. She's doing all this stuff. So, so I could not book her in. I could not book her in this week for kid jokes, but, uh, I, I am, I'm trying to work with her manager and that would be mama Trish to try to try to get a slot here. So we'll, 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 we'll do it. We'll do it next week. So I will not disappoint you guys. The kid jokes will, will be there because we did make our target. And that was all thanks to you guys. We made our goal. We passed the $3 million mark today on our Join the Family Fall Pledge Drive. And in case you didn't have a chance to give, you can still do it on the Relevant Radio app, relevantradio.com. You can still check out the Pledge Drive premiums, um, make a donation, get a tax receipt. It'll be matched dollar for dollar today. It's a partnership challenge. Even though it's officially over the Pledge Drive, of course, we can always use your help. And uh, and we want to thank everyone who did give. Once again, from the bottom of our hearts, you have our eternal gratitude for keeping us going because we are all in this together. We all have a part to play. So once again, thank you for helping us to reach our targets. You're listening to the Kale Clark show on relevant radio and Jim producer, Jim, I'm going to bring him in here. It's always so exciting. I, I thought you'd like that little history tidbit on, on Pope Leo. Cause I know you love the history stuff. Oh, it's great, man. You do a great job with it. And uh, yeah, Pope St. Louis, the great Leo, the great, one of my favorites. <laughs> you almost said St. Louis because yeah. I know you're, you're from St. Louis. <laughs> I'm partial, and, and but you're uh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. not the great, but uh, he is great <laughs> in my book. And uh, you know, yeah, a- absolutely. Well, well, let's let's try to all live our lives in such a way that that we can be called the great one day. You know, and uh, we'll try to be great saints, and that's what we're called to do. 
We're called to be canonizable saints. And, uh, here's another thing, too. I know some of you guys have been asking what happened to the faith explained today. Uh, it was preempted today because of the pledge drive. It usually happens on the Friday of pledge drive week. We have no faith explained show, but we will be back on Monday with a, with a great new episode from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And that's what he says to the Romans. St. Paul says to those of you in Rome called to be saints, all of you in Rome are called to be saints. And so we, we are called to be canonizable saints. We're not called to try to get into heaven by the skin of our teeth. Don't aim for purgatory. What happens if you miss? We're called to the very, very heights of holiness ourselves. Be the best versions of ourselves. And that's really what being a saint is all about. Allowing Jesus to do it. It's a partnership challenge. Talk about a partnership challenge. Because there's that initial forgiveness and, and, and justification that we get from Christ. He forgives our sins. We don't deserve this. But then after that, we, we, have, we need to partner with him. We need to match our will with his. <laughs> and believe me, he's the major donor here, folks. And he will bring us along uh, to our goal of sainthood. All right. Well, hey, that's it. It's exciting stuff. And uh, we're going to take a little break in just, a, in just a couple seconds here on the Kale Clark Show. But we will be back. And we're going to run straight through to the top of the hour. So you can call in. It's a great time to call in. There's some phone lines open right now. 888 888- 914-9149. You can email the show, Kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. Great to hear from you. Follow me on Twitter at Kale Clark. Be right back. Hi, this is Kale Clark. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. They're a pro-life phone company, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to Relevant Radio or another pro-life charity of your choice. For a limited time, new customers who mention offer code Relevant Radio get a free phone with free activation and free shipping. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. This is The Kale Clark Show. Giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149. You can come out swinging on the phones just like Rocky. I'm not talking about Father Rocky, but he will be with you later tonight on the Family Rosary Across America. First up is Timory, after me, at the top of the hour, and then... 7 p.m. Central, the Family Rosary Across America. And of course, he will be sharing the news, which you already know, that we did meet our target. We passed our target. Uh, the $3 million need has been filled by you. Thank you very much. Once again, from the bottom of our hearts, God bless you, all of the listeners and donors to Relevant Radio all around the world for keeping us going, for joining the family. This pledge drive, it's our last one of the year. And you can still donate. If you didn't get a chance to get in on this, you can go to relevantradio.com, the app, check out the Pledge Drive premiums, the gifts that we want to send back to you in exchange for helping us to bring Christ to the world through the media. Well, there's one story I wanted to talk about yesterday, but I, we just kind of ran out of time. But this really burned me. I just, I was so upset when I heard about this that I just I just had to uh, to vent, if you will. And of course, Tomorrow is Veterans Day. And, and in different places in the world, it's called by another name. For example, here in Canada, it's called Remembrance Day. Remembrance Day. And also in the, in the UK as well, it's known as that. Here's a fun fact about me that maybe you didn't know. Uh, I, there's, there was a very good chance a few years ago that I never would have been at Relevant Radio because I applied to be a chaplain in the armed forces. And you say, well, how is that even possible, Kale? You're, you're, you're not a priest. How could you be a chaplain? Well, in the United States military, it's a little bit different. To be a Catholic chaplain, you do have to be a priest. They don't accept you if you're not a priest, which kind of makes sense, to be honest with you, because you've got to dispense the sacraments. If uh, there are soldiers dying on the battlefield, you can give them last rites. But in Canada, they actually accept Catholic chaplains who are not priests. They can be lay people. And, and and honestly, even to me, even though I applied for this, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me even, but I said, I'm going to apply for this. Hopefully I can do some good. Uh, I knew some other people who were, who were chaplains in the military, uh, some of them priests, some of them lay people, and they were kind of encouraging me to apply. And I did. I did. And uh, God providentially decided, no, I, I did, my application was not accepted. 
Uh, I flunked out 4F. Um, it's kind of, I don't know, it wasn't because I was a 98-pound weakling, although I was that too. Uh, it's a little bit like Steve Rogers in Captain America before he gets the super soldier serum. Um, I could take a shot of that right now, to be honest with you. But having said that, um, yeah, I, di- I didn't get in. So I was kind of bummed about that for a while, but but God had had other plans for me. And uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of grateful in, in a way. I mean, I would have been, it would have been an honor to serve, obviously, but but what is going on right now in the chaplaincy branch of the armed forces is nothing short of reprehensible. Article appeared in the National Post uh, just a couple of days ago in Canada. The chaplain general's office has issued a directive that during ceremonies, of course, which will take place tomorrow on Veterans Day, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, remember that was the end of the Great War, it was far from the last war, unfortunately, in 1918, the end of World War I, that when, when Veterans Day ceremonies are going to happen in Canada, they were, it's called Remembrance Day here, of course, the chaplains were instructed not to talk about God or religion because it's not inclusive. I mean, I just, I read this, I was just absolutely livid. Uh, for all the veterans out there, and, and um, those who serve, serve in the military are very uh, close to my heart here on the Kale Clark Show. That's why we always have a salute to service on Memorial Day and for Veterans Day as well. So if there are any veterans that want to call in and talk about this, by the way, you're, you're going to go right to the front of the line. Uh, if you identify yourself as a veteran, the number is 888-914-9149. So Brian... Brian Pacifume has written a, a piece about this in the National Post, and he talked about this directive for the military chaplains. And they've been asked to, quote, be respectful of spiritual diversity during these public events of Veterans Day. I'm just going to call it Veterans Day, even though it's called Remembrance Day in Canada, because in America it's called Veterans Day. Anyways, chaplains are asked to be respectful of spiritual diversity to employ, quote, gender-based analysis, end of quote. I don't know what kind of analysis one would have to do there, but, and they are to replace, they're being asked to replace religious symbols, such as the cross or the Star of David, for for any uh, rabbi chaplains that are out there, and there are some, replace these religious symbols with a generic chaplain's crest. And what they, uh, Brian Pasifume, uh, from the National Post. I'm sure I just totally butchered his name there. I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm going to go with Pasifiume, and that's what I'm going to call it. Call you, Brian. So call in, and, and you can disabuse me of that notion and tell me how it's actually pronounced. Anyways, we'll just call you Brian for now. Brian P. Um, writing in the National Post. And he, he does some great writing, actually, for the Post. Fantastic. Um, he had interviewed Father Timothy Nelligan for, for his piece. And Father Tim Nelligan served for over 35 years in the Canadian Armed Forces. And he actually joined the forces even before he was a priest. And two decades of his 35 years, for 20 of those 35 years in the forces, he has been a Roman Catholic chaplain priest. And he said this, he said this, quote, quote, this is Father Tim, Tim Nelligan, it's a further trek down the road of trying to eliminate religion altogether in the military, end of quote. And so, again, the chaplaincy service is saying during public ceremonies for Remembrance Day slash Veterans Day, try not to mention God, try not to use religious language. And so, th- this just burned Father Tim Nelligan. He, he, he said, quote, because this came from the chaplain general's office, the thing that hurt me the most was to hear someone who's supposedly a person of faith, they're from the chaplain general's office, supporting the removal of religious language and, and the name of God wanting this to be done, and end of quote. So why, why are they doing this? Well, the, the, the actual directive, which came out earlier uh, in October, uh, said that uh, Canada's military chaplains should adopt a sensitive and inclusive approach. Because, hey, well, you know, uh, they said, quote, we deeply value the work of military chaplains and will continue to build a diverse, inclusive military that attracts and retains talented people, but our commitment to diversity, inclusion, and the betterment of our chaplaincy program remains steadfast as we strive to create a more inclusive and respectful environment with the Department of National Defense 
and the Canadian Armed Forces, end of quote. All right, so I have some thoughts on this, but but uh, as the author of this piece uh, in the National Post, Brian Pasifume, I think it's the third different way I pronounce his name in this in this section, but uh, I'm sorry, Brian. Um, he uh, he refers to um, the, he said he says basically that the, the chaplaincy office is basing their decision on something that came out of the Supreme Court of Canada in 2015. And back in 2015, in, in Quebec City, there, there was a certain like city council, and they would have this habit of, when they started their meetings, they would make the sign of the cross and say prayers before city council meetings. Now, for those of you that might know the history of the province of Quebec in particular, very, very Catholic roots. Um, in fact, uh, the Christian historian Mark Knoll uh, once wrote that Quebec in the 1950s was the most Christianized part of the world that's ever existed. Never had the faith, never had the, the Catholic faith been more integrated into society as it was in Quebec in the 1950s. Now, if you visit Quebec now, you'd be like, what's he talking about? Because the faith has completely fallen apart for the most part. There's still faithful people there, don't get me wrong. But there, there's a lot of secularism and, and there's a, there's a disdain. There's a, there's a palpable disdain for the Catholic faith in the province of Quebec. And if you think that, if you sort of look on a continuum, you could say that Europe has become a shell of it once was, religiously speaking. The churches are empty. The cathedrals are empty. Uh, it's become secular. You go to Quebec and it's sort of one step better than that, but not far behind it. And then, you know, the rest of Canada, and then, and then the United States, there's still very much respect for faith in the United States. Not everybody shares that, of course. But religion is still a factor in, in, in common culture in the United States of America. But if you were, the point, so what I'm getting at is this, and I've asked friends about this. I asked Father Eric Nikolai about this, who's a friend of the program. He was on the program recently. Art historian, priest, uh, incredible intellect. And, and he said, he, I asked him about this because he, he's from Montreal. He's from Montreal. And I asked him, I said, Father Eric, how in the world did Quebec go from the most Christianized place that has ever been seen on the face of the earth to the faith has completely fallen apart in one generation? How did that happen? Well, he said, well, I don't think it was ever really Catholic in the first place. What do you mean? It was only apparently Catholic. It was only apparently Catholic. Yeah, everybody everybody went to church in Quebec, and everybody pretty much identified as Catholic in the 1950s. The church was omnipresent. However, there was an awful, it never really sunk to uh, the core of, of, of I mean, for, for some people it did, for sure. I mean, it's kind of a blanket statement. But it's a little bit like in, in The Godfather, I think it's The Godfather Part 3, which is probably... It was, de- it was definitely the worst of the Godfather movies. Uh, was there was there a Godfather four, Jim? I can't remember. There should no. not have been. And I don't okay. actually consider it part three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part three is not really. It's not legit, right? It's like that. It's like that James Bond movie that Sean Connery made that wasn't actually made by the. the it was called Never Say Never Again. You remember that was cool because it had Sean Connery, but it's not actually officially part of the Bond canon. Anyways, well, the Godfather three. Andy Garcia eh, kind of lost its way. Let's put it that way. But The Godfather One and Two, like that's that's one movie franchise where the sequel was was just as good, if not better, than the first. I'm, incredible movies, just incredible. I'd put uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight kind of in that category too, where the sequel is maybe better, um, if not demonstrably better. But anyways, having said that, so The Godfather Three, Michael Corleone, Al Pacino. I mean, his his conscience is really catching up to him. And we'll talk about the conscience of the human person on the Faith Explained show on Monday, 1230 Central, a letter to the Romans. St. Paul has a lot to say about the conscience, but um, shameless plug there. But having said that, um, Al Pacino's character, uh, Michael Corleone, the godfather, he, he is kind of remorseful. And he, so he's, he's, he's walking in this garden and he's talking to Cardinal Umberto. Cardinal Umberto. So in, in, their, in, their, in the mythical world of the godfather, he is a cardinal that's on the short list to replace Pope Paul VI when he passes away. Okay, he's not a real guy, but um, having said that, the cardinal, people think he's based on a real cardinal, but that's another story. Uh, so the cardinal is kind of walking with, with Michael Corleone, and Michael Corleone is kind of making his confession. He's not really making a confession, but he's basically like pouring out his soul to the cardinal. He's talking about all the terrible things he did. He, he killed his own brother. 
uh, you know, sorry, if I, sorry if I just blew part of the Godfather uh, plot line for you, but it's it's been out for a while, folks. Um, you should have seen it by now. Um, he kills his own brother. He, he's done all these terrible things. Um, on and on and on and on and on. And the the cardinal said, "You really should go to confession, man." <laughs> and and then he, he they're walking past this fountain, and he picks up this stone from the fountain, and it's submerged in the water, and he cracks it open. Is like, this is what people are like in Europe, he said. They're surrounded by the faith, just like this stone in the fountain is surrounded by the water, and it has been for centuries, but it's bone dry on the inside. He cracks it open, and it's just like chalk. You know, it's just, he says, that's what people's hearts are like, because they've never allowed Christ to penetrate to the core of their being, to their heart, and transform their hearts. And I guess you could say that really that's what happened in the province of Quebec, too. I think it's a good analogy for this. But, so they used to do this. They used to have... And they still, I guess they did as recently as 2015. They, had, they would have crucifixes in public meeting rooms, and people would make the sign of the cross and say Catholic prayers before town meetings. Not that everybody really believed this stuff, but that was part of the deal. Well, the Supreme Court shut it down and said, you, you guys need to stop doing this. And so the chaplains are kind of basing, basing, uh, you know, their, their, their directive saying, you guys shouldn't talk about God anymore or religion as chaplains. They're kind of basing off that. Okay, I think it's an overreach because I can kind of see that in secular society, if you will, that you don't want to necessarily promote one religion over another. You're there to do town business. This isn't a religious meeting per se. But we're talking about chaplains here, folks. That's that's their whole job. You're trying to tell me the Catholic chaplain can't talk about God? So... Anyways, their directives to the chaplains, it goes on to say in their, in their document, chaplains should be inclusive, respectful of religious and spiritual diversity. They should employ a language mindful of gender-based analysis principles, uh, whatever those are. Incorporate elements in both official languages, include the, okay, whatever. And, and, and then it says, you need to get rid of your stole. So the priest, and there, there's a picture in the article of the priest chaplain, uh, Major Timothy Nelligan, and he's, of course he's wearing his priestly stole, and he's got some military medals actually pinned to, pinned to his stole. He's wearing his military fatigues and everything. Well, they're like, get rid of your stole. You need to replace your stole with a generic chaplain's crest. And again, we don't want the crucifix. We don't want the cross. We, for the rabbi chaplains, got to get rid of the Star of David. Forget it. And, and these guys are just, they're, the chaplains are livid about this. They're absolutely livid. Because here's the here's the deal, here's the deal. I think I think it's I think people most people are people who, who are reasonable people who would say that they kind of understand that the the Catholic chaplain is there to serve the Catholic soldiers. <laughs> and if you don't, if you're not a Catholic, if you don't identify as Catholic, you sh- why are you offended by this? Why are you offended by this? Um, are, are are you are you also I mean, just it's like why would a Catholic be offended? by a Jewish person celebrating Hanukkah, for example. Why, why, why should that offend you at all? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Anyways, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit like tr- people trying to cancel Christmas and say, you can't talk about Christmas. You can't use this word. It's, it's a little bit much. It's a little bit much. Anyways, the chaplains, a lot of the chaplains have just, they're just completely fed up. And um, one of the things that... Um, that one one chaplain said who was interviewed that that essentially means that on on November the 11th we can't recite the poem in Flanders Fields. I don't know if you've heard that poem. It's a beautiful poem about uh, World War One. It references the crosses row by row, and, and, and in some countries, it's, it's including Canada, it's very um, um, it's a tradition to wear a poppy on one's lapel in the lead up to Veterans Day slash Remembrance Day because many soldiers were buried in Flanders Fields. Uh, which 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 had poppies growing in the field, and so, uh, hey, well then you can't sing the national anthem because the Canadian national anthem mentions the word God. It's only a matter of time, in my view, till they try to take that out. Uh, you can't sing Amazing Grace. Um, that hymn is very often sung at Remembrance Day services. So, th- this is just this is just absolutely this has gone haywire. This is secularism gone haywire. I, I really want to hear what you guys think about this. Triple eight nine one four. Nine one four nine. So we're going to take some calls from you guys in just a second, but right now, producer Jimmy, ready for this? We are going to play the week that was and get you caught up on everything you might have missed this week on the Kale Clark Show. Check it out. 
Now, of course, Lila Rose, you know, as a big-time pro-life advocate, she was responding to a tweet by this guy named Zuby. Now, Zuby has over a million followers on Twitter. He's a rapper. He's kind of a mogul. He said this. He said, I am a millionaire. If you think I am getting married without a prenup, then you are insane or naive. I trust God. I will trust my wife. My wife will trust me. Neither of us will trust the government. And then Lila Rose said this in response to Zuby. She said, if you truly trust your wife, Zuby, you don't need a prenup. And if you don't fully trust your would-be wife, marrying them is a bad idea. The nature of marriage is, until death do us part, a prenup says otherwise. Hey, Timmy, I gotta ask you really quickly, where do you stand on the whole prenup thing? No way on a prenup. <laughs> I think unless, in, of course, the church is teaching, unless in extreme cases where there may be prior children, and again, extreme cases that don't match what most of us um, are in the case of, but like, why would we start married with one foot out the door? Bishop Andrew Cousins is my guest today on The Kale Clark Show. Your Excellency, thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Kale. I'm wonderful. So I'm delighted to be with you. Absolutely. This is the first time that we've ever spoken. I'm excited to have you on the program. Well, I feel like I know you because I'm a regular listener, but oh, well. you don't know me. <laughs> but the, uh, but uh, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and uh, I grew up in a wonderful Catholic family. Uh, but it was really my parish priest when I was in the first grade. Hmm. Actually came into my classroom and he said, is Andrew Cousins here? I said, yes, Monsignor. <laughs> and he took me out in the hallway and he said, do you know your act of contrition? I thought, I'm really in trouble. This is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and he had me make my first confession in the hallway of the school. And then he told me, tell your mom this weekend you're making your first communion. I was in first grade. Whoa. And so he had me make my first communion a year early because he wanted me to serve mass with him before he uh, retired from the parish. And he really became an influence on my life. Even after he retired, he stayed in touch with our family. And I sort of grew up thinking I'd like to be a priest like Monsignor huh. Barry because he was such a, a great influence on me. One guy on Twitter, Daniel O'Connor, complained about the woman in line in front of him spending half an hour. He didn't even get to go to confession, and he kind of went on this rant on Twitter about it and said, hey, priest out there, you got to get a hold of this. I'm wondering what you guys think, but let's go to the phones right now. Mike in West Virginia is calling in. Hey, Mike. I heard on Relevant Radio a few months ago that if you were on your way to confession and you have uh, every intention of making an honest confession and you are mm -hmm. truly sorry for your sins and you would yep. get in a car accident and die, yep. that your sins are forgiven. Would that apply here? Oh, definitely. I think if, if, if that person who was second in line, they didn't get in and then they get hit by a truck you know, afterwards, God can work outside of his own sacraments. These are the ways he wants us. Uh, to get our sins forgiven through the sacrament of confessions, why he established it. And there's a reason for this, many reasons for this. Jesus knows that we need to hear that voice, and it's his voice, his words through the voice of the priest, if you will, saying, I absolve you. And we need this. We do need it, and we really needed to hear the week that was there. Producer Jim, nice job, man. I really like the background music that you chose for that. That was, was really slick. We even had an appearance from Timory. Timory even made it into the week that was. How about that? And uh, I had a great interview, a great time chatting with Bishop Andrew Cousins about Eucharistic Revival. You heard that great story that he told. If you missed that interview or any of the other programs we had this week, we talked about should Catholics have a prenup? Are people's confessions too long? Are they holding up people in line? you got to go to the Relevant Radio app, download the episodes, stream them, share them, or wherever you get your podcast, and you can get all caught up on what you missed on the Relevant Radio app, relevantradio.com. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Mary in Menlo Park, California. Hi, Mary. Hi, Kale. How are you? I love your uh, show. Thank you. Very <laughs> kind. Appreciate you. Yeah, um, I've been listening to your program. I was actually driving to a friend's house, and I pulled over to, to, to call. Um, yeah, I've been, I was, I was Air, I'm an Air Force veteran. I served on active duty uh, actually during the Vietnam War. Wow. And then when I got off of active duty, three weeks later, I went out to O'Hare Airport. Cause I'm originally from Chicago. And I went out to O'Hare, and I thought, this GI Bill isn't going to cut it. So I got to the 928th Medivac, and um, I flew on C-130s doing rescues while I was going wow. to school. Um, oh, my goodness. But I, 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 <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm calling about this uh, directive uh, out, of, out of Canada. I, I, you know, I just want to say, what are they thinking? 
They're trying mm-hmm. to shut down God. They're trying to do everything that's politically correct so somebody won't be offended. And as I just told your call screener, nowadays people can be offended if you park your hair the, the way they don't like. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just, and he, I'm here in California. I grew up in the Midwest, and we had morals and we had standards, and people went to church, and people did things together as families. And, uh, you know, especially... You know, people look forward to the holidays, and in in Chicago, they had little um, little flowers that they would give you if you were in a vehicle and you stopped at an inter- intersection or near a bus stop, mm. and you'd pin it on on your coat or pin it on your lapel. It was in memory of veterans, and people sometimes would give wow. money to those volunteers who were distributing this. And this they did; they did it all in all parts of the country, and we hung our flag and. Um, I don't want to cry, but it was just, it was so important for us to remember where we came from and who helped us get to where we are from our foundations all the way up to the current times. And I went into a Subway restaurant about four years ago with some other veterans because there was a little information we got. I was handed out by the recreation department at the VA saying these are restaurants that participate in, in businesses, you know, to recognize, to recognize veterans. So we went into the subway restaurant and we showed our military IDs and the people there were, um, I'll just put it this way. They were middle Eastern. And we said, I understand that all the subways are doing this. And you think that we had insulted them, their, their culture. And, uh, we don't do that. And I said, why not? I said, all the subways are supposed to be doing, oh, we don't do that. We don't believe in veterans. And I, I, I couldn't hold myself in. And I just said, excuse me, you wouldn't be here, but for us, you wouldn't be here, but for us doing things to make sure that this country is safe, doing things that we have standards, that we have a constitution, that we have rules and regulations that allow people from other countries to immigrate here and to live here safely in indignity. And mm. anyway. <laughs> well, Mary. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, I just want to say, first of all, thank you for your service, Mary. And, I, 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 you know, don't be ashamed for, for getting choked up, for being patriotic. God bless you for your service. And, yeah, what, what you're touching on, this, this idea that, you know, we don't want to give any special treatment to veterans. It, that's, you know, no matter what somebody's background is, that, I mean, that has nothing to do with it, but, but that is, that is, that's, that's really, really troubling. And, and I think that, um, you know, these are, these are questions that, that I'm asking a lot too. And just thinking about, you know, I'm reading a lot about, about the history of the United States and I've always loved American history. I've always loved it. And, uh, one of the things that I've always appreciated about Americans is that you know, maybe this is changing, but and I hope it's not. But no matter where somebody's from or wherever, I mean, we're, it's a nation of immigrants, right? Somebody at some point in your in your family history, your family immigrated to the United States, and if you're growing up on a block in Chicago, and there are Polish Americans and there are Italian Americans and people from whose ancestors were from all over the world, if you ask them who they were, they would say, first of all, I'm an American. I'm an American. That that is how they would identify themselves, and and I always appreciate that. But what what comes even before that, of course, is that I belong to Jesus Christ, and and we can never forget that either. But I want to salute all the veterans. Thank you very much for your phone call, Mary. God bless you. Call back anytime. Thanks for listening to the Kale Clark Show this week. We'll check you next week. Jim Shaper produced. Miranda took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.